This is One on One with Jasper Cole, Hollywood's bad guy, and so much more. Actor, talent manager, producer, and more. Now he's sitting down with today's top newsmakers from entertainment, politics, pop culture, and beyond. This is One on One with Jasper Cole. everyone and welcome to our first episode in 2020 of one-on-one with jasper cole we are live in block talk radio studios coming to you right now tonight in 2020 i hope everyone had a great uh holiday happy new year's everyone i want to give a big shout out and a welcome back to the show to mr john williams hi buddy hey jasper happy new year to you thank you so much it's so good to hear your voice welcome you back too. yeah yeah, I can't believe we're already in it's two days into the new year. So I know, right? By. <laughs> it's like, well, it's strange because it's, I think because the holiday fell in the middle of the week, this uh-huh. seems like it's been like, a, I, it's just like a four-week holiday. <laughs> it does. I don't know it what day, like a day it is. It's the weekend. <laughs> Today's Thursday, and it feels like it's Saturday, so I know what you mean. Every day has felt yeah. like the weekend. I mean, I'm not yeah. complaining, I guess, but it's interesting. It'll be, it'll be great to... Because really, you're right. Yesterday or today should really feel like a Monday, I guess, mm-hmm. um, after after New Year's. But it's kind of it's going to be uh, the sixth is really everything back to work, back to back to normal, whatever that is. So, um, but yeah, so I'm excited because we're we're kicking off the new year with our first, uh, you know, home uh, horrors and heroes of homelessness, and I, I would love for this to be uh, once a month episode a once a month series going forward and l- would love to make it the first Thursday of each month if possible if people are up for that I would love that so um you know this is actually our fifth episode total of doing mm-hmm. the topic of homelessness um and of course I in, in the months that go by in between these the, it certainly has not gotten better but our our guest and yeah. our uh, going to be our co-host going forward General Jeff Page who's also known as the mayor of Skid Row um he's really the expert that will be able to bring us up to date on the latest and you know we want to be positive and optimistic that there is progress being made, but mm-hmm. certainly when you watch the the media coverage or when I read the uh, stuff on what's happening, especially in L.A., um, yeah. it's not it's not very encouraging. No. Well, and again, you know, the problem wasn't created overnight, so it won't be solved overnight. But it's like you think with all the money that's been raised, like at least one point two billion or more, right? Then there would be more progress than what we're seeing at the moment, but at least there is the homeless response center. And, you know, it, it appears to be that there are some, some programs some in place that are, that are, made. yeah. Yeah. That are, that are sustained. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I was, um I was at a, a place today and it, it's, there's no accidents in life. Right. So in conversation with this lady, she mentioned that she's from Hawaii, from Honolulu and, I said, wow, because I haven't been there in 20 years. And I said, I'm sure it's gotten as crowded now as L.A. And she goes, well, the worst Mm -hmm. thing is, she goes, you know, we have one of the worst homeless situations in America. And I said, in in Hawaii? And she said, yeah, she goes, you know, uh, states are now flying their, they're giving them one-way tickets to Hawaii. And 
ironically, we've we've spoken to Jeff about this in we know in Los Angeles that's what's happening here on the mainland. You know, other cities give people one way bus tickets to Los Angeles because we've gotten quote the reputation of being so homeless friendly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or um, but I never thought about Hawaii. And so I'd love to, at some point, I want to do an episode about the situation that's happening in, in Hawaii as well, especially in a city like Honolulu um, and how they're dealing with that crisis. So we'll, we'll try to get someone to come on the show from, from Hawaii that's handling the crisis there as well. But it just goes to show, I mean, the, the epidemic is across the nation, you know, not just oh, most definitely. Los Angeles. No, not just in LA. It's, I mean, L.A. being that's a larger city and, you know, New York, of course, and and Seattle, I think, as well, has had some issues Miami, as well. Miami. So yeah, yeah, and I believe I have Jeff on the line, so let me get Jeff on. Oh, great. Uh, hey, Jeff. Hey, buddy. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, Happy New Year. Thank you. Same to you. Can you hear me all right? You sound hear great. You perfectly. Yes. Oh. <laughs> great to have you well, back right. with us. All right, great to be had. I appreciate you having me. Um, you know, it's an important time of the year. You know, especially as it's extremely as it's cold every night. Uh, homelessness yeah. is is a, uh, you know, it's still an ongoing topic, and I'm glad you all are having me back to, uh, you know, educate our, our our your listeners that much more on all the different nuances in regards to homelessness. Well, listen, we were just saying that we we would love to make this a, a monthly show and we were thinking maybe the first Thursday of each month if we can we'll we'll cover this topic because it's it's fast changing and 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 well fast changing and maybe not changing that's something we'll get into um tonight because it's been it's been a few months since we last chatted with you and um I wanted everyone if you're just tuning in you're listening to one on one with Jasper Cole and we're doing our horrors and heroes um of homelessness episode with general Jeff also AKA the mayor of Skid Row. And we kind of just wanted to get an update of what's, what's the latest happenings on your end. Well, you know, thank you for that. I just want to, um, you know, cause I know you got some new listeners that may not be fully abreast on what's going on. And so I just want to come with a different, a different, uh, a lay of different foundation this time. And so, you know, let's start with, the American dream, which, you know, back in like the 1950s was, you know, the house with the picket fence, the husband, the wife, the two kids, the boy and girl and the dog. And here we are 70 years later, um, you know, two generations later, and the American dream has changed. It's not even about the American dream. It's about the American lifestyle. Mm. And so because of how, how America is depicted through Hollywood, and um, a lot of people from uh, other countries come here uh, for the lifestyle. And so it's it's almost like the lifestyles of the rich and famous that everybody's chasing that dream instead of the traditional dream. And so now with uh, real estate, especially here in California, skyrocketing through the roof, um, it's, it's, it's very difficult to, to be, put yourself in a position to own that, that house with that white picket fence. And so now it's like, the climate and the culture now is renting, you know, everyone's is renting. Um, and so 
while you're renting, there's the, you're not really, it's not no longer home ownership. And so with the rents increasing and the jobs not paying um, a livable wage. And so there's a difference between a minimum wage and a livable wage. Mm-hmm. So the minimum wage, um, a lot of families are, are a lot of uh, uh, adults are not being able to provide for their families. And so homelessness is exploding with new demographics in addition to the traditional ones. And so um, that's the foundation with where we're, where we're coming to you now in uh, 2020. Right. And like you said, I mean, the, the rents are so astronomical that people making what, what, what would be considered a huge wage in other parts of the country, they can't even rent an apartment in LA based on, on a average salary that would, like I said, would be considered upper, you know, upper tax bracket in another city. So, right. And so, you know, going back again, going back again, another nuance said like in the 1960s when there was a civil rights movement and it was all about equality. People were fighting about equality for all. Um, unfortunately, equality can't happen in a capitalist society. In a capitalist right. society, somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. And the last time I was on the show, um, I was saying how, um, you know, the capital, those that are winning are creating a climate where they've learned how to profit off of the demise of others. Mm-hmm. And so specifically in Skid Row, the nonprofit, the poverty pimps are alive and well because now homelessness is a multi-billion dollar industry. Just like right. there's an automotive industry, there's a banking industry, homelessness is an industry now. And so a lot, of, you know, like in Skid Row, the CEOs are making uh, six-figure salaries as high as, uh, you know, two and $300,000. And so their whole thing is as long as homelessness continues to exist, they continue to get the funding. And so it's the same thing. The politicians are in on it. The law enforcement, the, the poverty pimping is alive and well. So it's a capitalist society. It's not even about helping in homelessness. That's just a, uh, you know, the mission statement or the uh, marketing slogan. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's like there are powers that be that have allowed homelessness to expand astronomically because now, you know, they've generated, you know, more billions of dollars into the funding pots that they all can just, you know, siphon out and uh, do as they wish. And it's like, it's almost like that, the healthcare industry, you know, it's like cancer, HIV and AIDS and cancer have become these huge industries. Um, there's no incentive. Right. You don't want to cure it because they've created right. so many. So even that's fascinating. I never even thought about that. So you just said that Jeff. So now in the homelessness situation, we're creating new positions, right? There's like new new uh paid uh you know committees and new 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 jobs are being created that are supposedly people that are quote helping the homelessness but they're actually just it's just expanding that's you know that's amazing i never thought about it like that that was like an aha moment for me it's it's now it is an industry basically absolutely absolutely and so again in a capitalist society that means you know there's one portion of the demographic and that's in homelessness that's going to profit. And then there's the other ones that's going to, uh, uh, you know, suffer greatly. And so though the homeless folks are basically a commodity, um, just like on stock market, anything, you know, it's the commodity. And then those, the traders are winning greatly, if you will, the poverty pimps. Mm-hmm. And so it's unfortunate. And so just like, you know, in Sacramento, a governor, uh, Gavin Newsom just recently created 
um, a billion, a brand new billion dollar funding pot, and then called it the uh, statewide homelessness task force. Mm-hmm. And so you keep seeing these billions of dollars, just billions of dollars. It's the same thing with the president that's in the White House right now when he wanted $5 billion to build this border wall. And where did that $5 billion go? You know, you give it out, pass it out to your buddies, mm-hmm. and, you know, they're profiting, creating jobs, but the actual task is, you know, is not is not even being addressed. And so it's the same thing at home. So if you look at it, 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 it per industry, that's what's going. It's like a money grab right now. It's just every man for himself, you know. And it, 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 and it's sad, but that's the current state of homelessness. And so, um, we the people are not fully abreast of all the nuances in terms of what's going on. So the voters are voting to tax themselves, creating multi-billion-dollar funding pots, and trusting, you know, the uh, you know the, the our elected officials. But there's not one elected official that ran on a campaign platform as an expert on homelessness. So all the politicians are doing it deferring to the nonprofits, you know, both uh, local and national nonprofits, and they're being led astray because the nonprofits actually have the track record that the politicians lean on, and mm-hmm. then they're passing money back and forth. And then law enforcement is requiring more budget because they've got more of the issues on the front lines in dealing with the issue. And, you know, just like last time I mentioned the Department of Mental Health, uh, their annual budget is $3 billion. That means every 10 years that's $30 billion. And, you know, we've seen a lot of mental illness out there. Well, exactly what are they, what product are they putting on the field? Right. Um, and so whatever it is, you know, we the people need to hold them accountable and say for all of this money, you know, $30 billion a decade, you know, here's the start of a brand new decade. What what exactly are they doing? Are they just shoving pills down, down people's mouths and saying, mm-hmm. oh, you know, oh, another satisfied customer next? Right. It's like, well, that's not working. You know, for $3 billion, there needs to be mental health services and, and mental health housing like all over the place. And we're we're just not seeing that. Then there's Prop 63, the Mental Health Services Act, that was passed uh, nearly a decade ago, and that's generating billions and billions of dollars. And we, no one's even seen any of that. I was one of the leading, you know, activists that was on the front line saying that's why that was for mental health services. They need to convert some of that money into mental health housing. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, former state senator Kevin DeLeon, you know, heard heard our cries. And uh, he, he he addressed that, and so um, he allocated a, a brand new two billion dollar funding pot to convert, you know, Prop 63 funding just for mental health housing or housing for those that are suffering from mental health, because that's part of providing a service is to stabilize people yeah. that are struggling with mental health illness, so they're not wandering the streets aimlessly. Yeah. Well, so let me ask you something. So, in terms of the politicians, we're it, it, like Eric Garcetti, I mean, does it really matter? Like, are you? Is it kind of like no matter who gets into office, the the problem in LA seems so huge. Like, where can they really make a dent either way? Like, if say somebody really runs on that platform, you know, what would they need to be saying they're going to do to? Where would they need to start? In terms of well, for well, for me, you know, they always funding like one project at a time, mm-hmm. one housing project here, one housing project there, fifty units here, a hundred units there, and it's 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 slow. We need to get 
multiple shovels in the ground. Let's say in Los Angeles County, where they say there's 11 million people that live in there, uh, they say that uh, the homeless numbers, if you take it at face value, is around 60,000 homeless folks. And so if you say per per building, 100 units per building, we would need 600 shovels in the ground at the same time Mm. if we're going to try to house 60,000 people. So if they're only on pace to, you know, house, uh, you know, one to 2,000 people over the, you know, three to five years, you know, that's that's going to be replaced with brand new homeless folks. And so there's not going to be a significant reduction in the numbers until you until they drastically increase the housing stock. So, again, right. you know, in order to 60,000, that's at one building, 100 units per building, they would need 600 buildings to house everybody. So there needs to be shovels in the ground all over Los Angeles County so that, you know, and, and it takes an average three years to build the housing. So, you know, unfortunately what the politicians did were trying to get quick fixes and they redirected the money that was for the housing and they redirected it towards shelters. Shelters mm-hmm. is not the answer. We don't want shelters. We want housing, something with keys, four walls and a door. Um, you know, people are shelters. That just means they're homeless, but they're indoors. They're still homeless. And the current batch of uh, shelters that are opening up are temporary, and they're slated to only be funded for three years. And the whole thing is, well, what happens at the end of three years? People are just going to get kicked back out to the streets. And then another thing a lot of people don't know, we the people don't know, is that, you know, when we talk about the shelters, the shelters are not 24 hours. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like just overnight shelters. And in the daytime, people, you know, get kicked back out to the streets. So it's like, who, who, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Well, I'm sorry. So what, what, what happens during the day at the shelters? What goes on? Uh, well, Well, they say they have to air it out. So they have to clean it, sanitize it and get it ready for the next night. Interesting. So basically, like you said, if 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 somebody just came in and said we're all any of all the money that's going into shelters, that's one place to start. Let's just put that into housing. Like let's just immediately allocate that over. I mean, why is that so difficult to to get passed in the with the with the government with city government? Well, well in Los Angeles County, in Los Angeles County, um, Measure H H H was you know the voter approved. And the voters passed that um, in uh, November of 2016, $1.2 billion for new housing for homeless folks. And, again, the politicians repurposed that funding and, you know, to, towards shelters, temporary shelters. Mm-hmm. And so then they're, they're figuring, oh, well, we'll get some more, you know, in the next three years, they'll find some more funding from somewhere else that will replace that one, you know, that money that, they, you know, and so initially it was for $1.2 billion, they said they would build 10,000 units. And I'm thinking that's such a small number if there's, right. you know, if, if there's a considerate amount for in Los Angeles City, there's, um, let's say, 35, 35, 40,000 homeless folks, and they're only going to, for over a billion dollars, you only could build enough housing for 10,000, and that's over a 10-year period. Well, over that 10-year period, especially with the double-digit increase in homelessness every year, it's going to be 10,000 new homelessness, and so, again, there's no, it's impossible. They're on a path to, you know, just emptiness because there's, there, you're not going to see a significant uh, reduction in homelessness. So that $1.2 billion is going to evaporate right before our very eyes with little to no results. And I read that they're you know, actually we can, we can see, only... We can, see, we can see that now. 
And so why yeah. why even continue down that path? I read that they actually are only going to be receiving about 7,000 of those 10,000 that they touted before. I was reading a USA Today article that was stating that the average cost for one unit is $531,000. All which, those are old numbers. All those are old numbers. Right now we're hearing anywhere from 600,000 to a little over 700, like 710 or 720,000. So it depends on who you ask, but the minimum number now is up to 600,000 because every year, you know, the cost of, uh, uh, the cost of living inflation. So like materials, right. you know, just wood, the, the price of wood increases. So that drives up the cost. So the construction, the developers, you know, they need more funded. And so they're just finding ways to eat at top maximum value. And so they're not taking a price cut. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're charged running up a tab at, at premium prices. And again, that's the ineptness of our politicians to negotiate a better deal to get a reduct a reduced number, um, mm-hmm. so that they can build more units. And so we're 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 losing. We're getting our tails kicked um, yeah. at the negotiation table. And so as a people, we're losing badly. And so in um, 2018, in January, uh, the uh, CAO, the uh, chief administrative officer for the city of Los Angeles, released a report and said that at that time the city was on pace to provide 5,500 units of that uh, initial 10,000. And just um, last year in 2019, city controller Ron Galpern released his report, and he said they're more on pace for like more like 3,700 units for $1.2 billion, less than 4,000 units. My God. That's un, that's just uh, um, that's just, that's ridiculous. I mean, seriously. And they're saying that a median sale for a market rate condominium is five hundred forty-six thousand. So that's just telling you right there. Yeah, they can just buy a loft and just house the house yeah. the homeless folks in lofts. And they're <laughs> saying that the majority of this is because of of all of the uh, experts that they're bringing in to do assessments and all of that, and paying those experts to do these assessments. That yeah, they're actually right. charging more. For the consultants and so forth, then right? And that's that's what they that's a category. I'm sorry, that's a category they call soft costs. So mm-hmm. you know, 1.2 billion dollars of voter approved, and so then oh, here comes here come the, the the wolves. And so of course, like the city attorney's office, they gotta uh, make sure all the legal language is correct. Mm-hmm. You know, and make sure that all the uh, you know there's the consultants, the architects. You know what is the housing going to look like? You know how it's going to be built. The the land, uh, you know, land acquisition folks, real estate folks. So there are all these jobs. They all we need. They need updated reports. You know, so there's all these jobs that are created even before they put a single shovel in the ground. Hmm. Um, and let me ask you also, it, 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 what is the situation like? Let's just go to Skid Row for instance right now. Are you sure. seeing? Are you seeing? Um, I was reading the other day that uh, something like one in three people die. I don't know if it's a, a week or a month per day. Sugar. Per day. Per day. That's that's per what day. I, I. I guess I read that and it per just day. didn't. I couldn't like take take it in. So, so what? When somebody, when a homeless person dies, like on Skid Row, what? Sure. What happens? Like, what happens to that person? Like, is it a J? If if do, if they don't have family or they don't have ID or you know what? Ha- I mean, it's just what happens. That's like one of the horrors of homelessness. 
Yeah, the the Los Angeles. Uh, that's a great question. The the Los Angeles coroner will collect the body, take it to the morgue, and after so many days, they'll just um, cremate the body. Um, every year, um, Los Angeles County has a uh, memorial service for all the those that unclaimed bodies, whether it was homeless or not. Just if you know someone just no one claimed the body if somebody was deceased, about the body was found, and there's no identification, no wallet, no anything, and maybe if it was a burned victim, no fingerprints, things of that sort, it just the body goes unclaimed because they can't notify the next of kin. They cremate it, and then they'll have a, a every year at the end of the year in December, they'll have their uh you know cre- their services at the Los Angeles County Cemetery. And um, they have a, a, a wonderful service. Um, just And just to be clear, just because the reports are going out that um, three people died per day, that's not nothing new. Mm-hmm. Um, for the last 10 years, I've been screaming to the top of my lungs um, about the, the, homeless, the deaths in, in Skid Row. And so every year in December, there's this event nationwide called the National Homeless Persons Memorial Day. And in Skid Row, you know, and I have the obituaries that go back to 2014. Um, but it's been going on before then. That That's when I started going to these events. And every year there would be over 100 names read aloud because that's what they, you know, to try to give folks a humane way to, mm-hmm. you know, honor the de- deceased, excuse me. And so when I, in Skid Row, you know, so in, it's a 50 city blocks. And so if you have 100 deaths per year, that's a two, two, two deaths per block. I call that a two-to-one death ratio. And so mm. we've been dying, you know, in a, by the hundreds in Skid Row alone. And then you multiply that and explain that to Los Angeles County. It's been over a thousand. It's just no one was listening or paying attention. And so now, now we, the people, our voices, are, us on the activists on the front line, our voices are being heard. And so now, you know, the media is now it's a, a big multi-billion dollar industry. So more mainstream media folks are starting to pay attention to all these billions and billions of dollars that are just evaporating in the thin air all over the place. And so, um, you know, with the Olympics coming up in 2028, mm-hmm. the World Cup coming in uh, 2026, and, you know, the politicians are they're looking to, you know, build more hotels because they're looking at all the tourism dollars People coming from all over the world is, oh, economically is great for the city of Los Angeles. But at the same time, what are they doing about homelessness? And so, you know, they're ultimately looking at LAPD and and the sheriff's department to just arrest it slowly but surely arrest people. So there are those that uh, look at all these homeless deaths. And, you know, if you're in the, you know, the conspiracy theorists that are in the population control, they're like, oh, the deaths help reduce the overall numbers. And some, there are those with a twisted mindset that think that's a good thing. Well, God, let me ask you, in terms of like when someone dies, are they, is it, is it investigated? Like, is it like a, when someone dies of a crime or a homicide, you know, I guess what I'm getting at is do the, do the officials really give it the same priority as anybody else in Los Angeles? You know what I mean? Like, are they, are they really sure. allocating, investigating a death or trying to locate you know, the Mexican or any of that? Well, I will say that that actually is a question for law enforcement agencies. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not a law enforcement officer, so I don't want to act, speak like I want to act as though I'm speaking on their behalf. But right. from what I know, being in Skid Row since 2006, um, you know, they have the, you know, if there's the detectives come out, 
Um, they'll investigate uh, to see, try to determine the cause of death. The coroner does an autopsy. In in majority of most cases, there's a d- determined cause of death. If there's a way to notify next of kin, great. If not, it ends up being a cold case. Mm-hmm. And if the body is left unclaimed, I forget how many days it is. And then, you know, again, as we said earlier, you know, they're they're in the morgue and they get cremated and then it's off to the next case. You know, they can't just hold, you know, a thousand bodies a year just sure. hold on to them. You know, then there's decom decomposition and all of that and so you know, it it it, it generates a cost, but you know, what what do we do? Um, you know, there's it is is you know, it is it's unfortunate, but there's really not right um a better way to do it at this point. But yes, I, I can say that Law enforcement does their due diligence to the best of their abilities. So I was going to ask you guys. So when we look, when we're looking at what we're doing here with this ongoing series, like who, Jeff, who, who are some of the, like you mentioned, law enforcement. Who would be the the the, the best people that we should try to get on um, as guests? Like who are the who, who should we target that would that could actually shed light on on this situation or and or answer for i guess <laughs> i guess the, the real goal would be who if we could actually get somebody to come on the show um and want to you know want to have to uh, to be interrogated so to speak but where would you think we would <laughs> i mean i know when you're talking about politicians and stuff like that but what do you think some of the best who do you think some of the best guests should be well you know for us in skid row you know we've been Speaking out, uh, you know, there are two sides to every story, um, and, and, and historically, there's always just been one side of the story being told. Uh, again, when I started in 2006, um, you know, and, and encouraging others to speak for it in 2010, CNN did a featured interview on me, and they called me the mayor of Skid Row, mm-hmm. and so you know that 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 led a lot of credence um, to the voice of we the people, and so as our voice increased and got louder. You know, people are starting to look that really notice that there are two sides to every story. So now the politicians and, you know, the powers that be and the so-called experts on homelessness, now people, you know, you do the taste test, you know, what we're saying versus what they're saying, and people are starting to, you know, cry foul on what they're saying. And so now the folks are starting to hold them accountable. And so, you know, my suggestion, um, you know, obviously, you know, if you, you you know, call, you know, request any – Political officials, any you know, higher ups, and any nonprofits. I mean, they're going to sing the company lines, right. and it's a great presentation. And they got all the data and all the statistics and all the solutions and all the things of what they're currently doing. None of this stuff is working. Homelessness every year, and there's at the end of this year will be at the end of this month. I'm sorry, will be the uh, uh, Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority (LASA). They'll do their annual homeless count. And, you know, release the numbers, and you know, in, 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 in the middle of the year. And, again, there's probably going to be another, you know, significant increase. So none of the solutions are working. So you can have them on, and they're going to give you a great interview. But year after year after year, you know, they're, they're, there's no proof that anything what they're doing is working. So I'm not sure exactly. You know, I could give you a 1,000 names, and you have a 1,000 great interviews but you're still going to have zero results that actually that they, anything that they could point to that say is a solution. And yeah, just but recently, I I'm sorry, oh, go, Josh, ahead, I was, go ahead. I was just going to mention that just recently Peter Lynn resigned from LASA and with that yes. resignation, 
who would you like to see fill that post? Or who do you think would you do know, a good and, job? And, and I, I want to say I'm what, I was probably the, the loudest voice against Peter Lynn. And, and let me just say that he as mm-hmm. an individual is a great guy. Oh, man, I like him as a human being. Unfortunately, he's in, he was in the hot seat as the executive director of Last of Us and just Homeless Services Authority. And basically mm-hmm. they get an annual budget of three, $300 million that they distribute, you know, across Los Angeles County to address homelessness. And plus they administer the homeless count and, and many other things. And so it's, you know, when you get significant double digit increases year after year after year, and he's been there five years, it's like, buddy, um, what are you doing? It's time for you to go. And so I was outspoken against the, the uh, executive director before him, that which was Mike Arnold, and we put mm-hmm. pressure on him, and he was let go. And then Mike, uh, uh, you know, replaced with Peter Lynn, and Peter Lynn, um, you know, just graciously bowed out and resigned on his own, especially prior to the uh, upcoming uh, homeless count. And so now they mm-hmm. have an interim executive director, but ever since. Um, Ever since uh, was it 2003, 2005 when the uh, uh, LASA was first created, and um, it's been a man, it's been a man in that position. So okay. I'm like, maybe it's time for a woman. I don't know. Okay. Me personally, I would like to see Jan Perry in that mm-hmm. role. Um, mm-hmm. When she was a uh, working with Los, um, a member of Los Angeles City Council, um, CD9, which included uh, Skid Row, she did a wonderful job of balancing between housing, uh, housing homeless folks, you know, pleasing the business sector, you know, preserving low-income housing. Um, mm-hmm. she, she just really had a way with handling things. And I know she's up for uh, elected, you know, there's, there's an election coming up in March, and she's running for, um, uh, you know, L.A. County Board of Supervisors seat. But um, she, oh, she, she would be amazing to me. That's someone I know personally that I've seen her in the act. And she would be amazing. And so, you know, uh, other than that, you know, they keep bringing in these transplants from out of town. And, they, they mm-hmm. you know, L.A. has its own different energy. And just like if someone's in Utah or some small, small city and they house, you know, homelessness was like 500 people total, you know, mm-hmm. less than 1,000 total. And then they, oh, we ended our homelessness. That I mean, that's a small number. Of course, anybody could, you know, wrap their head around that one. But if you've got 60,000 homeless folks and counting, and some, there are, that's just at face value, but they're admitting to, there are those of us in the front lines think that it's at least double that, mm-hmm. that they're not, you know, they're not really, you know, given accurate data. And so, you know, if it's over 100,000, I mean, that's an, an astronomical number. What do you do? And so, again, we need those shovels in the ground. And now, yeah. but with the real estate market so great, it's so rich here in um, Los Angeles County, you know, the, the the politicians are bowing down to the developers. And, you know, the homeless housing and low income is not is, – is losing. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, Jan Perry would be a great – maybe that's a great person we should yeah, try to get on the I show. Thinking. Yeah, Yeah, because I, think- I, I want – I want you – I want these people on when, Jeff, you can right. talk to them, you know, when Jeff For can sure. actually um, to question them. What about – what do you think of Sheila Cool, uh, the representative? Isn't homelessness supposed to be one of her platforms? She is a politician. I don't – you know, again, they're all politicians. Yeah, she's right. you know, a supervisor. I don't... She's a supervisor, right. yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. she used right. to be uh, – yeah, right. she's a politician, and so – 
you know, when I, 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 I premised, uh, spoke earlier to, you know, the politicians aren't, mm-hmm. you know, they, there's no sign that they can get anything done. I mean, even if she ran on as a platform, what, what are her, where's her results? Right. I haven't heard of, I haven't heard or seen anything significant that would say, oh, okay, there, there's proof, there's signs of life, there's signs of proof that she can get it done. So I, I don't know. I, I don't really follow uh, <clears throat> Sheila Q. So, you know, I know she um, does a wonderful job when I attend the board of uh, supervisor meetings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she speaks eloquently on the subject. But so, you know, that still doesn't mean that, you know, she's getting things done. And so and it's not I'm not singling her out. Sure. Again, it's the whole lot. It's the whole lot of politicians. Right. I'm not I'm not impressed with any of them. It's well, specifically as it pertains to housing homeless people and getting the shovels in the ground. I'm not mm-hmm. interested in sh- in shelters, none whatsoever. Shelters is fool's gold, you know, so the, and in that regard, they're like snake oil salesmen, and we keep falling for it, and the carnival's rolling in the town, and then we're like, oh, this, you know, great speeches, great presentations, all of that stuff, but at the end of the day, it's not working. It's snake oil salesmen. Well, let me ask you, because your foot feet on the ground. So, are there are there other G- General Jeffs out there? Absolutely, with, absolutely, you know? absolutely. And, like in Skid Row, there's an amazing organization called L- Los Angeles Community Action Network. The acronym is LA Can, and they're a grassroots nonprofit. So you have the big nonprofits like that I mentioned earlier, the local nonprofits, mm-hmm. the national nonprofits. You know, the United Ways. Um, you know, all the big missions and all those folks. And then you have a lot of grassroots folks that just roll up their sleeves and really represent, you know, we the people. And so L.A. Can is one of those. And then we've got allies all the way in Venice. Um, you know, the, Becky Dennison, you know, she's over there. To, she's, you know, she's an amazing ally. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of folks. I, you know, I, I want to throw mm-hmm. everybody, mention everybody's right. name. But sure. there's a wonderful, like, there's a wonderful uh, um, um, loyalty Community. that people have on 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 the front lines that are really truly trying to help, and so it's unfortunate that just like recently there was you know the Supreme Court knocked down that uh, that Boise uh, that Boise right. uh, amicus brief, and it's like why why would why would they even and, and it's embarrassing to me why would the big you know the uh, a city is large largest. Los Angeles, the county is largest Los Angeles. Why would they, who are struggling for solutions, why would they try to follow such a small town uh, fight that Boise had? And basically all they were doing was they were trying to justify their need to criminalize homelessness and just snatch the people off the street. And that's what's coming on the energy that's coming out of the White House as well. And so the Supreme Court said that they didn't even want to hear the case. And so the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals um, put down a ruling, and they they govern over nine western states, and they put down a ruling like that's you know basically that's inhumane. Like let's stop criminalizing people because the whole thing is you can't you can't tell them that they can't be on the sidewalks until you give them an out, uh, a viable alternative of housing. Right. So let's say if there's sixty thousand out of sixty thousand, let's say there's ten thousand people on the sidewalks, you need ten thousand units as an option to say, well, you can't be on the sidewalks. You know, just go ahead over here and get in some housing. And then if they refuse, then there's you know, but you can't if you don't have those ten thousand units, you can't tell these ten thousand folks or whatever number it is, you can't tell they can't be on the sidewalks when they have nowhere else to go. And that's what the the position of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals was. And when you know the politicians vote 
voted, you know, city attorney Mike Fewer, um, you know, again, the Board of Cali County Board of Supervisors voted three to two, you know, including Mark Ridley Thomas, who we thought was a champion for the people, and he threw us under the bus. Um, and, they, you know, so I'm thinking, oh, this is just, you know, a resume move. And then when they can say, oh, mm-hmm. while I was county, county board of supervisors, I had something that went before the Supreme Court. It ended up on the Supreme Court docket. But the uh, the Supreme Court wasted no time in, in, in slapping that off the table and said, we, we're not even going to hear it. And so that Boise issue is dead, and so folks trying to appeal and come up with different solutions. But, you know, that's, that's, that doesn't bode well, especially when Mark Riley Thomas is, was capped by Governor uh, Gavin Newsom to be the co-chair of his statewide homelessness task force with a billion dollars attached to it. How are you going to help, like you're devoted to housing homeless folks, when you just uh, voted to approve an amicus brief to tag along to that Boise situation before the Supreme Court, which was nothing more than criminalizing homelessness. So it can't be both. You're compassionate about housing homeless folks, and then you're adamant about criminalizing homelessness at the same time. And it's like, that's not, that's not a good look. And so my whole thing is, where does the governor stand on that? Because if this guy is wishy-washy, then, and the governor is, you know, validating him, well, then we have to question the governor Newsom as well. Because I think right. he should replace that guy and get somebody that, you know, we the people would feel more comfortable with. Well, you know, we keep mentioning experts in quotation marks. You've mentioned, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But let me. But you know, at one time, one of our shows, you you mentioned how, you know, none of the politicians in their campaigns have a general Jeff. You know, they don't have somebody who's really living the the, the life and, and feet to the ground. Have you ever been approached at all? Has anyone ever tried? To, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I say no every time. I don't. I don't. I don't play politics, you know. Um, and it, you know, special interests. I already know. I, you know, I can't be bought. You know, right. I can't. You know, don't come with me trying to, you know, wine and dine me, and whatever it is that they do. I'm not interested in any of that. And so I'll probably be with the the brokest politician. You know, they don't know, not even don't you know don't even come knocking on me. Hey, we wanted the lobbyists. I don't even want to meet a lobbyist, especially like leave me alone. Like if it's but all if, about a safe value above board. You know, let's yeah. house the people and be done with it. There's I don't care about you know if folks want to you know fracking and they, you know all these other environments or whatever it is that they're you know sliding envelopes under the table for and lobbying and trying to get things and you know variances for these luxury condos and all the hotels and things of that sort. Like they, you know, I would slam the door in all those guys' faces. So in that regard, I would be so loud about that during my campaign, uh, uh, my campaign, and that you know they, I wouldn't expect none of those folks to uh, you know support and donate. So I would have the brokest campaign, and then I would just rely on you know we the people to understand that I'm all about truth and honesty, and we would go from there. But at the same time, I'm not you know I'm <laughs> I'm not trying to you know have this fight for the rest of my life. Because say like on the Los Angeles City Council, if I was to be, ever get a, a, a seat. On the uh-huh. council, there are 15 seats, so I'm just one vote. So 
So right. I'm looking at 14 other votes, and I can't, I can't get anything done if, you know, that. so the lobbyists, their first strategy would be, well, if he, he won't come against us, we'll vote, get these other 14 to vote down everything he puts forth. And then I would be deemed an ineffective politician. I couldn't get anything done. Same thing if I was on the L.A. County Board of Supervisors, five of them. If I had one of them, they would line, they would go get the other four and line against me. So it's not a, it's, you know, it, it's not, I couldn't run by myself. I would need a slate. Right. And it would have to be the majority of the – you know, so there's a whole lot of politics politicking that would have to happen. And so, you know, the Democrats, with California being a, a majority a blue state, it'd be extremely difficult to try to penetrate into that and, and swing it into a, a, a way that uh, it would be beneficial for all of us. And so – but the thing is, is we the people – um, once we get the real-time information and realize that we're being had, you know, we're 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 taxing ourselves billions and billions of dollars that is just just evaporate going evaporating in the black hole, and the politicians are just getting away scot free, and it, it, you know, it's just like it's during our lifetime. There's no signs of it slowing down, none whatsoever. So the next 10 to 15 years, I can easily say, are is going to look more of the same of where we are now. Well, speaking of, um, I know in the past there's – bring us up to date. Is there anything happening with the lawsuit? There was a lawsuit, right, that was filed on behalf of the – was it – this was sort of in um, – it's sort of in con- contest, contesting the, the vote that happened with this neighborhood Oh, camp. for the Esquiro Neighborhood Council? right. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we filed our lawsuit, as I've updated before, and we have a uh, trial date on Los Angeles Superior Court Division 86 on uh, February 5th oh, at 9.30 a.m. And so we're we're just about 30 days away, and uh, we're feeling extremely confident about how that's going to turn out. So on February 5th is our trial date. February 6th, you know, we're going to be rocking and rolling and ready to put forth policies and initiatives to do whatever we got to do to to make me you to know, move mountains. Well, tell so, our listeners, tell our listeners what 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 outcome you're hoping for. Give them a little update on what that means and like how that will affect the whole Skid Row community. Well, okay. Well, initially it won't. It won't. It, it actually won't be what what I, what it just what I just said. You know, we're just that excited about it, right. and we're eager to get busy. And so there uh, the, currently there are 99 neighborhood councils across the entire city of Los Angeles. Every single Inch. Every single community has a has neighborhood council representative, and what neighborhood councils are are advisory boards that advise city council uh, on certain issues that that affect those communities. And so, also, if there are any development, you know, whether it's you know new restaurants, new projects, new bars, new hotels, anything in that community. Um, there's a requirement that um, you know have to get the majority of the the uh, community, the stakeholders. And so back in the days before the neighborhood council system was created, um, you know the folks with the projects would basically have to go door, knocking on doors, door to door, to get signatures. And so when the the neighborhood council system was created, um, as a as a matter of again, we the people voted and proved that in 1999. Um, the first, as part of the 1999 city charter, the first neighborhood councils came online in 2001 and in, in, in 2002, and um, so basically that. Uh, replace that door-to-door requirement. So if you get a letter of support from a neighborhood council, the developer is streamlining the process, and then they can go ahead with their projects. And so in Skid Row, 
um, you know, we would be able to be uh, a Scarborough Neighborhood Council be certified by the city of Los Angeles, and each neighborhood council currently gets $42,500 annually, and then that would be seed money that can go towards whatever it is as far as, you know, uh, community events in the community, cleanup campaign, just it's, a, it's an assortment of uh, of uh, options and possibilities. But for Skid Row, it would be so much for us because it would solidify us as a community because right now, um, even though Skid Row has existed for over 100 years, uh, uh, you know, mainstream media and the politicians and the powers that be don't recognize Skid Row as a community. And so they just look at it like homeless folks are just transient and vagabonds, and they're just coming and going where we've been here for over 100 years. And so with the Skidrow Neighborhood Council, that will solidify us. And on February 5th, you know, if the, if the judge rules in our favor, then we could begin the, uh, the process of actually forming the uh, Skidrow Neighborhood Council Board of Directors and then leading up to our election. So we would have to have our bylaws approved you know, and things of that sort, and we'll go for, you know, to for, uh, our, our election, our, you know, and then we'll have our first board, however board, many, how many board seats it'll be, and then once the board is sat and sworn in, then they could actually get to, uh, you know, addressing the issues. So we don't know how long that process will be, but, um, yeah, that's, that's where we are um, at this point. So we're looking forward to uh, February 5th as a historic day in uh, Skid Row history. 